the end, and if we'll take get a hold of what God has for us, we will get there. Now, I'm going to be dealing with a, a subject or two here tonight that may ruffle some feathers. Now, just understand that there is nothing in this pastor that is trying to dig at you. Understand that. There is nothing in me that is trying to single you out. But when we have people calling and disturbing our young saints and the young converts because they know that they ain't even rooted yet and grounded in this, it's time to help root them and ground them in this apostolic doctrine and this apostolic truth. Praise God. I'm turning to book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, and then I'm turning to Deuteronomy 22. This is things, these are things that have to be reiterated. It's things that have to be brought to our attention again and again. And if you leave and you say, Pastor was preaching to me, this word is not directed at you necessarily. It, it is directed uh, by God to, to you, whoever, to try to get you to reach higher heights and deeper depths and get more understanding of the Scripture than you have already. Even I believe most of you have been around me enough to know that I love you. I believe most of you have been around me enough to know that I'm concerned about you getting to heaven. And uh, if if you know if I if it didn't take this, I'd be a fool to preach. And if it didn't have some requirements in the Bible that requires uh, us to do some things, then I'd be stupid. To stand up here and take a chance on losing you by preaching. Hello? I think we're all spiritually mature enough to understand that tonight. First Timothy 2 and verse 9. In like manner, also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broaded hair or gold or pearls or costly arrays. And then the Bible said in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, and verse number 5, you see, I realize that even in strength of God, it's been around a while. If you don't go over this a few times now and then, the devil will talk to them. He'll talk to you. Amen. And uh, one of the young converts asked me tonight, said, well, did you get inspired? I thought I might just get inspired to kind of do a little deal with this a little bit tonight. Uh, somebody here is hungry for the Word of God. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now the pastor didn't say that. The Bible said, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now let me again point out something to you that uh, opponents of holiness living are so quick to say that that was the law. Now the Bible said that Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. All right? The ceremonial law was all that was done away with. Carrying the goats into the house of God, the 
tie it and drink them, the blood of the goat, put it on the altar. That is what was done away with. But God has never done away with a moral law. His moral laws are still the same. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not... And all those laws that were moral, Jesus has never destroyed those. When we come under the dispensation of grace, we came under, we came out from under the law, and now we are under grace. The Bible said you're saved by grace, and that not of yourself. I say you're saved by grace, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And so we're saved because of the grace of God. Not by righteousness, unless any man should boast. Not by our works, lest we should boast. And I'm going to tell you, you can't have faith and leave works out of it. They, they Being alone, the Bible said, they have to go together. God bless you. Be seated. I realize that opponents of the true gospel say, when you talk about having to be baptized, one of the first things they say, wait just a minute. You get your works don't matter. You can be baptized don't too. You don't have to if you don't want to. But Peter said to do it by the remission of sin. Amen. And the Bible said faith without work is dead. Being alone, you are going to have to put the combination together if you make heaven your home. Hallelujah. We was in, we was in the doctor's office today, Brother Underwood, and while he was inside, I kind of listened in on some conversation of some folks that were over on the other couch. And the sinner, and they were talking one to another. And I'd already heard them say a, a bunch of foul language. I'm talking about some tough stuff. And lo and behold, if a little later that man didn't get off the telephone and come over, they've been counting, I guess, with somebody on the telephone. And he said, I told him, I'm going to church and pray for you and pray for my mother and pray for so-and-so. So I'm going to church and pray for him. And he said, don't give And he said, you know what he told me? He said, don't give me that. And he, and he said, that I said, honey, ain't you a sight to pray for somebody else? I didn't get upset. He's a pretty big son. But, you know, I thought to myself, there's three or four of them, too. I thought, ain't you a pretty big, pretty sight? Now, you've been cussing around here. been talking to somebody on the telephone, and now you're going to go by the church and pray. You see, what happens is God means nothing to a lot of folks. Now, the Bible teaches us that we ought to let our conversation be what? Holy. I don't know where in the world he'd find any holiness in what he said. But you see, church has become just just a byword with a lot of folks. They want to be associated. They want to be connected. But it doesn't do anything, and they think they don't have to do anything to change themselves. Now, I believe Jesus Christ down the cross and all of that. And then, and, and some of them, they, they go through all these beads and all that stuff. They don't not to heal a fiend. They pray to Mary and heard some on the phone, radio. They said, look, said, uh, uh, said, oh, uh, Jesus, would you go pray to uh, uh, Mary? Would you go pray uh, to Jesus or something? I don't know what all they were doing. But it was awful. Come back to camp and I heard this. I heard all this crazy stuff. Sometimes it pays you not to listen to that junk. Get you confused. Amen. If you're not rooted and grounded in these things, then devil takes a take stuff and uses it to confuse the child of God into believing something that is not right. Now, I realize that when you start talking about holiness and changing the manner of dress and the manner of living quickly. They will be religious people, not just the world, but religious people says that God looks on the heart. 
It's man that looks on the outward appearance, and that is so true. Man does look on the outward appearance, but I realize, and you realize tonight, that if there is an inward change, there's going to be an outward expression of that change. Praise God. Amen. Somehow, uh, somehow, you pardon me, but I can't imagine Jesus walking down the streets of Bethlehem in shorts and no shirt. Hello? Somehow I can't picture Jesus with three or four lock chains around his neck and a ring with every finger walking down the street sucking a cigarillo or whatever you call him saying, so why don't you just stand out of your cross and follow me? Why follow something that don't do anything for you? Praise God. I'm trying to hold her down here tonight. But when we talk about outward appearance, it is an important element of holiness. There's a number of scriptures that teach, specifically teach Christians how to dress and how to adorn themselves. And we're going to approach these scriptures here tonight. We're going to look at some of them, and uh, we're going to see exactly what they mean. Now, it's important for us to understand these principles for two reasons. Number one, the styles of dress and customs have changed since biblical times. You know, there's some folks who say, well, now, look here, uh, you, you know, you know, you're in a different time and all that. That's why God has given us preachers to divide the word of truth. And so we've got to know how to apply the teachings of the Bible to situations unknown even in that day. And there's a few, you know, in the Bible, there are very few specific guidelines for men. There's more for the women than there are the men as far as guidelines go. Well, they are. But when, when we talk about modestly dressed, we have to use some judgment. Now, 20 years ago, you tell me if you ever saw a man walking down the street with earrings. Did you? Huh? <laughs> some of us don't we laugh at that. We got some converted folks in there. Thank God. I never thought that. I mean, you walk down the mall today, and, and women, have, have, they have their little babies, and they hard to up to set, set their head up, and they're punching holes all in them. They're crying and screaming. They don't even have no choice for the matter. Hello? But we understand today they would cause quite a sensation even now if a man goes down the street with a minister on. But I'll guarantee you one thing, if he, Brother Steve, if he did it very, if it, if it caught on, more people did it, pretty soon the world would accept it. And pretty soon the church world would take it. And somebody would say, well, well, you mean to tell me I don't? Some man say, you mean to tell me I don't have God because I wear a minister? It's a progression that happens in the church world. And things become accepted that were wrong years ago. I can see some of you, you, you get scared now because you're afraid, afraid we're going to deliver the mail at your doorstep. Just hang in here a while. If we can identify the basic principles of holiness, we know that they apply both to men and women. Now, let's look at modesty. First of all here, Paul stresses modesty in 1 Timothy 2 and 9. And the primary meaning of the word modest is to be decent, or cast, especially in outward dress and deportment. Now, Peter, 
in describing how men should adorn themselves tell us that wives can win their unsaved husbands by their chaste conversation, which means chaste conduct. Now, you can jot this down for later, First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 2, for a reference there. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 2. And, and, and you look at the necessity for modesty. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, the necessity for modesty and dress. Originally, they were created in the state of innocence. They didn't know what wrong was. They were in the dispensation or the era of time of innocence. They did not know sin, did not have no sin. They were living in a peaceful existence. Hello? You know, we make the joke, we made it here before, said it before, where man said, well, uh, where, you know, for a moment, say, well, where would we be? Uh, what would you men be without us women? Man said in the garden of Eve. But I'm not so sure about that. Some of us men are kind of stupid when the devil starts talking to us. Huh? Here we are. We're just as susceptible to the devil as the one out of Christ. What the Bible said, the one was weaker. I know the Bible said that. Men are supposed to be strong. Most of them weak knees, jelly bellies. Hello? But the necessity for modesty goes back there. Genesis 2 and verse 25. Uh, Brother King turned to Psalms 8 and verse 5. When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost God's glory. And they recognized, first thing, what they recognized? That they were unclothed, that they were naked. That's the first thing that happened to them when they sinned. They recognized that they were naked. Nobody said, Yoo-hoo, Adam, you're naked. He didn't say, I better go find me a big Nobody had to tell them. They, they just knew. They didn't know what the word naked meant. What did the Bible say in Genesis 2.25? They were both naked, man and his wife, and were not ashamed before they ate the fruit. Then they went and hid. Now what did they say in Psalms 8 and verse 5? Yeah. Yes. Man was made Lord. Had been crowned with glory. Now listen. Man was, was the supreme creation of God. And he took the woman out of his side, not of his head to rule over, not of his feet to step on her, took her out of his side to help me. But when they crossed that line of what God said don't do, then sin began to reign in their mortal body, and they begin to try to find something to clothe themselves. And so since that time, when God came down and killed animals and clothed them with animal skins, it's been God's requirement for people to wear clothes. Instead of taking them all off, we'll be trying to put them on. It's in the book. We're dealing with some things tonight. Notice that the devil... He tries to do the opposite. The devil, he tries to do the opposite to men and women. Men and women. You know the Bible said in the in, in the in, in Gadara when the man was demon possessed, the Bible said he would not keep any clothes on. That he was possessed of the devil and he tore his off. Why? Because the devil that was in him, the first thing he wanted to do was take off his clothes. 
And when Jesus cast out the devil, the Bible said in the book of Luke chapter 8, the first thing he did, the Bible said he was fully clothed and in his right mind. It didn't say partly clothed. It said fully clothed and in his right mind. Now, immodest, your immodest apparel indicates, anybody want to help me tonight? Your immodest apparel indicates, immodest apparel indicates a lustful spirit. Careful, Brother Gowan. Hey, hey, we, we're, we're grown-ups. Most of us here tonight understand what I'm saying. But did you know that a desire to flaunt the body is a spirit that wants to attract the opposite sex? Oh, don't get quiet on me, man. Amen. Why, do you, why, why in the world do you think that these fashions come out of your, they come out of Paris, you're just, they're crazy. You know, start with, most things, they'll, they'll come along and, and, and women won't have enough material in their dress to make a necktie hardly. Then the next thing you know, they're down to the floor and split up to God knows where. Oh, hey, watch it now. That, that, that's what happens. But if, if you dress, and I can't help it how you feel tonight, but I'm going to tell you, if you dress and sit and walk and all of that provocatively, you have a spirit in you that's trying to attract the opposite sex or trying to attract lust out of the opposite sex. Hello? You ladies get too quiet on me now. No, most ladies that have a third grade education. No, but a man is excited by sight. Much Boy, it is quiet in this place. Now, how many know? How many know that statement is true? You know, I'm telling you what's true. We're human beings here now. You know, I'm saying. I knew when, I, when God put this on me, I knew that my popularity is probably going to go way down. But David, I didn't care. But David fell to adultery because he went on his roof and another lady was over there bathing on the roof, taking a bath in 2 Samuel 11 and 2. And so we know that it's, even today it's easy for a man to sin in his heart by looking at an immodestly clothed woman. Look at Matthew 5, 28. In such a case, the man's guilty, but the woman ain't completely innocent either. Dear God, Jesus, I guess you quiet on me tonight. We're going to have to apply some things to us. Immodest apparel attracts by exposing the body. I never could understand why a Holy Ghost-filled person one that has the presence of God in them, would still want to follow those things of the world that have uh, mostly have one purpose in mind. I can't understand why we have so much trouble sometimes trying to get somebody that's supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost go ahead and look at themselves and say, hey, I'm just going to line up to the Word. I don't want to do anything that would hinder anybody. Now, Paul says that a woman should adorn herself with same faithfulness and sobriety. I better not get that too hard. 
He said, not was he said what we read, not with showy things, such as brought his hair and gold and braided hair, gold, pearls, costly ornaments and things. You know, we'll get to that in just a minute, but same faithfulness. I'm saying faithfulness, what does that mean? It means reverence, self-restraint, modesty, thankfulness. Sobriety means discretion, temperance, and self-control. In other words, it's the opposite of vanity. God hates pride, and so he does not approve of any display. Styles that are primarily designed to feed the ego are not in the will of God. And women should not rely on outward adorning, neither should men. He said, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair wherever he goes. What he was saying, in, in, in Peter's day, uh, in Paul's day, there were people, there were women that were taking their hair, and they were plaiting strands of gold in it to attract the men. And Paul was saying, wait a minute. Hold it. In the, in the house of God, it should not be that way. Not the outward adorning of plaiting hair and wearing of gold or putting, there's some of your jewelry there, or, or putting on an apparel, but let it be, First Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, if you want to turn. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. He put, Peter's saying, here's what you put on. Peter's saying, here's what you need to adorn yourself with. A meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great pride. Woo! Great pride. And sometimes it's getting harder and harder to find. So it tells us we will have moderation and talk. This is some of the things that sets our church apart. The way spoken in man got on the radio the other day, you know. He did it about the second time, so I had to say something about it on my program. I just had to say it. When he said, now, woman, let her hair, he said, woman, let her hair grow until she has to carry it in a, in a tractor trailer truck. Now, let's get me. First off, ain't no woman carrying one another hair out there. It ain't gonna grow that long, no life. Huh? But it was poking fun. And what Paul said to the Corinthian church. And one of these days we'll get to that. But a good way to think of it is to ask, you know, some folks, you can go to sin on anything. You, you, can, you can make a sin out of anything. You make a sin out of going down the store when you, when you got, when, uh, when you got a five and ten pocketbook, you go down to the most expensive store in town and say, give me a Louis Roth food. When you need to be at Salvation Army. When you go down and do that just for display. Huh? The Bible talks, it even included costly array. Some folks don't dress just to arouse in it. Hello. But when God's people unnecessarily buy expensive clothes and jewelry, why his work suffers in so many areas, there's a reason. Did you know? There, there's a reason why that is. Let's move on. The scripture in Deuteronomy introduces another important concept in the role of men and women. Separation of the sexes. God made a difference in a man and a woman. And I said, it doesn't matter. God didn't intend for women to drive bulldozers and climb light poles. That's never been the intention of God to dig ditches and all that. She used to be a keeper at home, number one. 
But not only are there biological differences between the sexes, there are established things. There's there's the mental and emotional differences as well as the other. Now, you know, if we look in the distinctions in, in the sexes are different because God has distinctive roles for the man and he has distinctive roles for the woman. Now, God said, you know, that you know that uh, that, uh, that the man is the head of the woman and Christ is the head of the man and, and God's got it all lined out just exactly how it is and how it is supposed to be. These different roles have always been in the plan of God for men and women to be different. Amen. Also, it, it's an important guard against homosexuality that is running so rampant in our day. You've got a boy, you need to dress him like a boy. You've got a girl, you need to dress him like a girl. Or her like a girl. I was in, I was in Lebanon, Tennessee, preaching revival, one of them true dramatic churches. I mean, they never heard about women wearing dresses and, and, and you know, not wearing pants. And, and oh, I guess they heard of it. They didn't, you know, the Holy Ghost got on me. The harder I preached, the better. They responded and preached. got up and said, I don't want to preach like this for six months. He's so tired. He said, I'll tell you what, I don't want to preach just like this. But you women want your girls to grow up be ladies, dress them like ladies. You, you men want your boys to grow up be men, dress them like men. That's the way it ought to be. Honey, you can mother that boy to death and you make a sissy out of him. Hello? I'm going to tell you one thing, honey. We're going to have to have some, uh, some knowledge of God. You better have some knowledge of God today to raise young men. Because even in their own published reports, in their own papers, they made the statements homosexuals have. We'll get your kids in the public restroom. We'll get them down at the pizza hut. We'll get, they started naming places. We'll get to your kids. That is their purpose, to convert them to homosexuality and lesbianism. Hey, it's in the world. So you're going to have to guard against that and let them love God and teach them about God. I want to tell you, if there's ever a time that we men ought to be men, it's now. Women ought to be women, it's now. Hey, get that distinctive role down in, inside of you and be that. Amen. Last announcement at some place does, then we'll guarantee it. Hey, man. You have to be careful in these days. Days where there's sanction and marriage between these two women. We're not married according to the laws of the land, but we're married in the eyes of God. Pew. One of them said, heard him talking, one of them said, one of them said, I'm a born again Christian, and she just loves God. It's not. You! God never did like a homosexual. The Bible said in Romans 1, they are worthy of death. Read it for yourself. Now, I didn't say they couldn't be delivered. I did not say that demonic spirit could not be delivered. But the Bible, we might as well turn there in Romans chapter 1. The Bible said they that do these things are worthy of death. He listed, he listed a whole lot of things. And may I tell you before you turn there, if you don't retain God in your knowledge, you know what you do? You open yourself up to those spirits. 
Because he kept saying in Romans 1, they retained that what they therefore, or wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness, verse 24, verse chapter 1, verse 24, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, served, uh, worshiped themselves more than did the creator. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Even their, verse 26, their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, the man, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseen, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was made, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It, it starts listening to all those things. And he said, uh, he said in verse number uh, 32, who knowing the judgment of God, they that commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do. It stinks. God can deliver them. Now, some of you may disagree with me, but it's a devilish spirit. It's a demon that gets in people. I have put my eyes on people that were singing in an apostolic choir that used to be homosexuals and prostitutes but God delivered them and filled them with the Holy Ghost. It can be done. And what's happening in the world today, God has got so sick and tired of men labeling men, women with women. He just paid them back with ease. Pardon me, but that's just the way it is. The Bible said they're worthy of death. That's important for you, Mama to play your role and be your role as a mom and a mother and a woman. You need to put that woman in that girl totally. Amen. You may need to take up some time to your boy too. Teach them different from right and wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. So there's some folks in Deuteronomy 22 that have objections. And some folks have so many objections. And the Bible says, man's not put on a woman's garment, neither woman's put on a man's garment. They have so many objections. It says that part of the law does not concern us as Christians. I want you to go people say that we ought not obey, obey that. But in support of this, people know that today we don't literally obey verses 9, 10, and 11 of the same chapter. These verses prohibit mixing seed when plowing, plowing an ox and an ass together, wearing wool and linen together one garment. And for this, you've got to rightly divide the Word of God by looking at these verses that are intended to teach it. Verse 5 teaches separation of the sexes, which is a moral law. It was not given just to the Jews, but it's enforced today. Verses 9 through 11 teach separation from sin in the world in typology. We don't have to obey them in their ceremonial aspects, but we have to fulfill them in typology. Separation today is not between kinds of seeds and animals and fibers. Fibers, but it's between the holy and the unholy. The spiritual and the carnal. The difference in these two types of law and moral and ceremonial can be seen. The word abomination is used in verse 5, but it's not even used in the other verses. Anybody remember what abomination means? disgust and loathing. That's how God looks at a woman in a man's garment or a man in a woman's garment. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. 
so what does the modern day folks do? Well, they're going to be, they're going to make things because it's just going to God designated men to be men. And we hear that in their house of them. They stay with everything. They want to switch. They want to switch roles. God don't like that. It's always in His Bible, been in the thinking. Amen. We know God. We know God don't change. Malachi three six. He said, "I'm God, and I change." <laughs> God repented or changed His mind whether to execute judgment or not, depending on people's actions. But His sacred character does not change. Hallelujah. Well, there's a lot I want to cover in that way. Wearing clothes of the opposite sex is an abomination to God, so it becomes abomination both to the man, the Jew, and the Christian. No abomination is going to enter the new Jerusalem, but we'll be cast in the lake of fire, according to Revelation 21 and 8 and verse 27. We're looking forward to God, and the standard for New Testament women is supported by Peter's use of the Old Testament women as examples of scholars. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5. And that's the close. I think God intended you to be here to get something in you. All right. 1 Peter 3, 5. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. And so we know that the holy women of old obeyed you, Dr. 25. So Peter must have intended that it still be the standard today. Now, anybody got any comment? Hey, we'll, we'll slow down here a little bit tonight. Anybody got any comment? How much not throwing the tomatoes at me? I know you wouldn't do that because you love God. Too. That's how to get you doing So the scripture in Deuteronomy covers all customs. That that pertains to a man means any clothing traditionally associated with men in that culture and patterns of man. And likewise. Now, no doubt in the world today that this cancer form of masculine apparel. There's no doubt about that. I mean, understand that. Sure you do. So I mean we could dwell on that, let me move on. I need I need to touch something else. I need to touch something else for one or two that have Found himself. Before I go on and say this, you remember the culture of the hippies? I don't remember that. Some of you are too old enough. Remember the culture of the hippies? Do you know how they expressed themselves? Huh? They expressed themselves, the men did, by wearing long hair and putting ponytails in it, you know, pigtails, and wearing, I mean, wearing, I want to call them clothes or not. I mean, flowers, towels. How many of y'all remember flower fire? You remember flower fire? But you know, they, they wore those things they, as an expression of who they were. I mean, they, they, they did it themselves, and, and they, they wore outlandish clothing to speak of what they were. 
You know, the Chinese and some of their Western sympathizers, they use mild suits as a symbol of their communist doctrine. And so you've got to be careful of the latest fashions because if you wear them, it speaks of something that you are. Hello? It tells something about you. Your, somebody said your clothes say it for you. Hello? Now, there's not many of you folks have a whole lot of confidence in me if I come in here in jogging suit tonight, would you? Hello? If I had my shirt unbuttoned to my navel, a big log chain, I'd say, let's pray God, God you there's something. I would be making a statement, would I not? I would be telling you about something that's on the inside of me. And what I've got on would make an expression of what I've got on, you know, what's inside of my heart. You can say what you will, but you, you, you are most of the time what you wear. Hello? Some folks say, well, my God, I've never been to church like that. Folks like take hard breath. It's time somebody did. This world's going crazy. This world is going crazy. Express their rebellion by identifying themselves with a certain certain group of folks by the way they dress. And we've got to be careful about following the fads and the fashions of the world in case we get trapped into identifying ourselves with them. Hallelujah. And I want you to ladies to know one thing every Holy Ghost fail man, if he's right, he's going to be looking for somebody that's feminine. Somebody that looks holy and godly. He's not going to try to go after somebody that don't look like God and godly. I want you boys to know that the woman, if they got the Holy Ghost, they're not going to care so much about you being a macho man as you are being full of God and have your desires toward God. Honey, it ain't all in how beautiful you are on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. Well, let's worship the Lord here a little bit. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I've seen young people run after some boy because he was kind of cool. Because he looked good. Only to wind up with a life of misery and heartache. Honey, you don't, I don't care if that's the ugliest stop of eight-day clock. Honey, if they've got God inside of them and their spirit's right, they are more beautiful than any woman or man in the world. Hello? They might have to sneak up on a glass of water like me, honey. But when you got God inside, that's what makes the difference. Hallelujah. Hey, man, it's not how handsome you are. It's what you've got in your heart. It matters. Hey, man, you can go after beauty and handsomeness if you want to and live a life of misery. You can go after somebody that's kind and sweet and full of God and wants to live for God. I gotta wind this thing down. But the spirit competition gets a hold of people. Rest to compete. God wants that kind of God wants us to be his child. Be sensitive to pleasing him and following after him. May I may I Stop right here or just inject this case. I want to thank some of you ladies for going ahead and adhering to the teachings of this pastor. 
that tells me something about your spirit. And I want to tell you, it's a hard thing to try to teach new converts when you're so stubborn you won't conform. It's hard to try to teach you converts how to live and want to know how to live when you yourself keep hanging on to things that you know that we taught against. It's hard for me to try to tell. They'll say, well, what about her? What about it? Hello? Now, y'all, every one of you people in here know I love you. Every one of you do. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just complimenting you that have enough of God and enough of want to to follow teachings of the ministry to help us in this road to heaven. If we get to heaven, we're going to be different. Jesus was a misfit everywhere he went. He went into his own temple, and he was a misfit. Looked around at the money changing, going on, and again, whatever they're doing in there, making money in his house, doing this, doing that. It's everything but a house of prayer. He got a little aggravated. Started whipping them, turning over the money changers. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of Hello? And I'm telling you, that's what's wrong with a lot of church worlds. The house of God is nothing but a place of social gatherings. They have dances in the, in the basements and bingo square dancing and all that stuff in the house of God. And I believe that is an abomination to God. But to us, the sanctuary, the house of God is a holy place whether you're having church or not. Because it's for here. So we've got a structure and a teaching. Proverbs 23, 23 says, By the truth and character. Also wisdom and instruction. Praise God. I appreciate the fact that God called me out of God to send me this marker. I'd hate to think where I'd be right now today. But God. Separation from the word. I'm not even going to get to the garment of the outward thing. Separation from the world means that we have to draw clear lines in order to avoid education. We as pastors have to make this clear to things. And you as laity ought to be willing to accept and respect these specific lines drawn by the past. You know, you know when rebellious when it, when it comes down to it, get the, the particularities in the spirit of rebellion, then compromise it gradually that your role holding it completely. Now, you know these two You see Count Methodist? You don't say it? The women used to look at I'll tell you what the truth is. Now, you can study it. It's the truth. They had, I mean, their, their women, I mean, they did. But something happened. You know what happened? Number one, the people took teaching. I believe there's a place you can get in God. You can get the Word of God in you so strong that the people took God convicted your heart. Let's give Jesus a good hand cup of praise. Well, hallelujah.
tell you what I plan on doing. I, you know, I just I thought about that today. I'm gonna have to just take some time aside. I'm gonna make all some tape and some of our doctrinal things. Some of you young converts, what you old school, may want to get a hold of. I realize that sometimes when you begin to teach these things in the pulpit, if there's somebody that's not conforming and understanding, they think about that. No, we're not doing that. There's people in here that, that don't understand everything we're doing and why we do it. Not believe. This just has to believe that there ought to be a reason why we do something. And now I'm not going to stand here and say, don't, 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 if I can't tell you why not to don't. I've been in some of them situations too. Just don't, 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 don't. And you don't know why you don't. Understand? And that's bad. We want to know why we have this hope in us. We want to know why we look and act and do like we do. We have biblical reasons for doing things we do. Praise God. And we want to get just as close to God as we can. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with with churches today and out in the house to say it is they've got away and the reason the power of God is driven has been driven out is because some of these things like I'm preaching tonight they quit preaching they laid them down God's not going to hang around if he's not welcome let's love him would you love him praise God praise God praise God praise God Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I'm going to say this to you tonight. Now, there's some things that I believe you won't understand until you receive the Holy Ghost. When your mind is turned over to the Spirit and the Spirit dwells inside, the Bible said the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all truth. I'll be saying, you know, the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. And there's some things of God that's just going to blow your mind until you receive the Holy Ghost. The scripture that you read that doesn't do anything you, you just can't get a hold of, when you get the Holy Ghost, you can read it against the world. I never saw that in And the Holy Ghost just opens that word to you. Praise God. I'm glad for that function of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm glad that my mom and dad moved by some apostolic people. If it hadn't been for that, honey, I wouldn't have been here tonight. It good. I got my sister to go to church 23 miles away. Some three miles away. 23 miles away. And we got, I got to go with them a little bit. Thank God I got to feed on that little girl up there. Thank God didn't I told some of you before I was in that church. I said, I stood up. That's what I did today. I had to stand with God. God took my life in an altar. God moved on me. God was preaching to me. I, I felt God in my life. God stand up, testified to my experience. And it was my soul for me. I said, nope, come down and come back to every day. I said, I said, I'm going to pray this way for her. You know how you are when you're young and thinking you're in love? You wrote that note, you know, or you say it. What's I'm flying back? Did you have the Holy Ghost? 
And he'll sit up and he'll come back and say, Oh God! Woo, that hurt me. And I, I, told, I figured God's gonna come next day too. Hey, I got to listen to the preacher a little bit. I mean, I was at that place. You just tell me what I had to do, and I go do it. I just tell me what I got to do, man. I want to be saved. Oh God, help me! Got baptized in Jesus' name. Took me a long time to get the Holy Ghost. Oh God, give me, give me, give me, oh God. Give me. Oh, I can't remember what name was. Well, go find his name. It seemed like the night I got the Holy Ghost, I could just see reaching down to get it man. I was trying to get that way left. My mind was holy in the Lord. When the Holy Ghost moved in, I ain't looking at him. Praise God. Fat little old fourteen year old boy out full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And he's been so real ever since. God, don't want to smoke soap. Don't want to drink some beer and have a swallow. Don't even want to know. Praise God. Amen. Don't know what it is to do a lot of things in the world. But I know what it is to live for God. And I intend to do it till I die. Praise God. Glory. Let's stand together and love Him tonight. Would you stand and love Him? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for that presence of God that's so real. Thank you, God, for the promises in your book that are mine. Thank you, God, for your spirit and power and glory. Come on, let's worship him a little bit. 